Hi, we welcome you back to our second podcast. We are excited that you're here with us. Yes. Thank you for joining us. We are a, just a three women that just talk and fellowship and share and encourage each other. And we just felt at a time in the world that y'all, people need to be encouraged yes. yeah. and to be heard and to have somebody that they can talk to and ask for prayer and be encouraged and that we can just be real yes. and authentic. That's right. And transparent. And so we're here sharing our stories. We're called Ladies Talk. Yes. And we are not just for ladies. There's men out there who need it too. You're more than welcome. With We're called Ladies Talk because we're three ladies talking. That's right. <laughs> so we want everybody to feel welcomed. We all have an, a testimony and tons of stories to share and uh, what God's doing in our life. And we do talk a lot about faith and about God because we are believers. But we are not limited, this podcast, to believers only. If you are not a believer, we welcome you. We are not trying to push anything on you. We just want to love you. We just want you to know your voice can be heard through us, with us. And we'd love to pray for you and just encourage you in whatever you're going through. That's right. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to introduce Lisa. Hello again, it's hey. me, Lisa. I'm glad you guys are joining us for the second episode. A little bit more about me. Uh, I am a mom of two. I am a fiance. I am a believer. I am out here just trying to continue to walk in my purpose and find out exactly where I need to be and what I am doing in this so-called life. Yes, and if you missed last week's episode, please go listen to it. Lisa shared her story, her struggle of addiction, and how she overcame, and has a lot of good insight and wisdom and resources on there. So definitely, if you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to it. It was an incredible, incredible time to just really be encouraged. If you're struggling with addiction, or you know someone who's struggling with addiction, just be encouraged, because there is hope on the other side. Yes, and keep praying for them. Yes, and with that... We would like to introduce Lucretia. Lucretia, what can you tell us about you? Oh, so uh, yeah, my name is Lucretia, and I am a um, domestic violence survivor. This is um, kind of you know recent, more so. I've I've dealt with a lot of things in my life. You know, I definitely grew up with like addiction and bondage and all of that. And um, I'm going to share some of my story today and just some of the things that I went through and some of the ways that God has brought me out and you know some of the some of the just hardships I had to go through in order to get to where I'm at. Before um, we step into that, Lisa, do you want to go ahead and pray over the people? Just give them a little uh, prayer. Let's lift them up real quick. Yes, I'd love to. Father God, we just come to you today, Lord, and we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives, Lord. We thank you for this podcast that we're launching, Lord, that you've given us the strength to continue to walk it out for you, Father God. We ask that you just go out to the airwaves, Lord, and open up their hearts, their minds, and their ears, Lord. Let us be able to share our words of encouragement, Lord, through our stories and our testimonies of all the grace and love that you've shown us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Yes, thank you so much for that prayer for the people. Yes, we are in Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes, yes. mental health. Shout out to yes. all the mental health That's workers out right. there. Yes, thank you, you thank you, thank Praise you. Praise God for all you people. You're a blessing to uh, those out there who need help, and That's right. you're not told enough. And we're That's praying so. for you guys. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We want you to know our vision. We celebrate in the good. We encourage through the bad and to be there through all the ugly. That's right. Yes. So whatever you're going through, 
nothing, nothing's going to phase us. There's no judgments here. We've been through so much, and we just want to be transparent so you'll know that we're just here to share with you and encourage you. Yes. So um, during this time, Lucretia is going to share her story. Yeah, absolutely. So um, listen, this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I, I'm going to just share a little bit about what I went through with my domestic uh, violence story and um and you know and and mental health was a part of that you know um it was a huge thing so definitely shout out to all the workers out there um you know i have been a mental health worker and then i've also been on the other side of just receiving care um for you know mental health reasons and so it's so important to just get help if you're struggling if you're struggling with depression anxiety um you know if your emotions are up and down or, or you're so zoned out and you know, depressed that you can't even function, then reach out to somebody because yes, that is not yes. normal and there is help out there for that. So, all right, I'm just going to dive into my story here, you guys. Um, you know, a lot of my story, the details and stuff, I haven't really shared with a lot of people because I think just now in my journey of healing, maybe in like this last year, is where it's kind of really hit me like the seriousness of everything that I went through. You know, when I was walking through uh, my marriage I was getting hit with stuff left and right. And so I wasn't ever even really able to process what was happening because it was just so much all at once. But, um, you know, I met my husband. He um, was in prison and, you know, I met him. I had just moved back here from California and I moved back to Tulsa. I had been on a, a, a year of like celibacy and purity and you know, I was really just focused on the Lord. I had started going to school um, at a Christian college and uh, pursuing my degree again because I just continued to pick it up along the way. And, um, you know, I downloaded a dating website, you know, just trying to think, okay, who's out here and what's going on? And so, you know, him and I got connected and he was very adamant about us being together and I was very adamant that I was not about to date somebody in prison. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and that's how it went on for a few months. And you know, uh, whenever I made the decision to actually date him, it was really just because, you know, the conversation that we were having was great. I'm not a small talk person, so I really enjoyed our conversations and stuff. And then um, I was like, well, I'm not doing anything out here anyway. And then in my mind, I was just thinking, well, at least that'll also help us to build like a relationship based on who we are and not based on like physical uh, touch or anything like that, because, you know, he was in prison at the time and he was going to be released soon. So started our relationship and you know of course my family was against it and I don't blame them <laughs> you know they were just looking out for me trying to protect me and so I walked through this season you know of preparing for him to come home um, you know it was his idea whenever he came home for us to get married right whenever he came home and um, we had been together almost a year and a half before he came home and so when he came home uh, the next day that he came home we went right to um, the courthouse, we got our marriage certificate, and we just started living life together. So um, the beginning of our marriage, the first year, it was great. I, I don't really have any complaints about it. You know, we were spending time together, spending time with our families. You know, um, I love his family. They're incredible people. And so we were really just enjoying life. And then probably about a year into the marriage is kind of when everything um, switched up. Now, I am from the streets. You know, I grew up in the hood and all of that stuff, and so did he, but he was a lot more in it than I was. He was actually, you know, in a gang and all of that. And so he began to hang out, you know, with a lot of the same people. And so as he was hanging out with these people, you know, he began to change, and he began to change, you know, the way that he 
talked to me, the way that he, um, you know, handled the situations that were going on, things just became a lot more chaotic and even dramatic in the sense that, like, when we would get into an argument, um, there was a lot of, like, temper tantrum throwing, and it was just very chaotic, and I did not know how to handle that. I have never seen, like, somebody not be able to conduct themselves, you know, in, in a healthy way, I guess. I mean, I have, but I guess this was like a different level for me. So anyways, around the same time, after about this year when things were transitioning and we kind of started getting on a bumpy road, just not being in agreement with the moves he was making and the people he was around, um, is I found out that I was pregnant. So we were going to have a child. And so I was focusing on my pregnancy. I was in the house all the time. He was gone all the time, hanging out with whoever he was hanging out with. And so then really everything just started on the decline. And so I went through my pregnancy and it was horrible, but um, just the emotions and everything that I went through. But now with my first child, I do have two kids. And with my first child, I dealt really bad with postpartum depression. And so my whole focus while I was pregnant was preparing myself for after I had my baby, that if I had postpartum depression again, that I would be prepared, that I would have the right environment, that I would know what was coming. Um, and so I really, every all the craziness that was going on um, during this time in my pregnancy, I think we lost an apartment, we lost a house, we ended up staying with my parents. And, you know, all of these things that we had built together, you know, he really caused me to lose. And, um, but at the time, I didn't even realize what was going on. Like I said, I was just trying to, to wrap my head around the fact that everything had went left so quickly. And I mean, I was really, I remember being nine months pregnant. We had these two dogs and they had puppies and I was living in my parents' house in one bedroom and all of this stuff that we had acquired together, you know, he was out in the world doing whatever he was doing and I was stuck to take care of everything. So I remember being in this house in, in one bedroom with my, you know, my oldest son was there and I had my two dogs and I had all of their, I think at one point they had like eight puppies or something like that. And so I am uh, preeclamptic, you know, I'm high blood pressure, all of that stuff, and trying to take care of all of this stuff by myself. And it was extremely overwhelming. And so um, I ended up um, having my baby prematurely. I believe he was three weeks early. And so um, they had to take him by C-section. And so I was in the hospital. And, and you know, let me tell you, there there's a lot of times where people always talk about, like, signs, you know, like red flags and all of that. And one of the things about a relationship is, you know, you always want to hope for the best in the other person, but it's very important that you don't get so stuck in how things were at the beginning that you're, that you're not, that you're ignoring like what's actually going on. You know, when I was in the hospital, um, I couldn't get a hold of him the day that my son was born and he showed up at the last minute before my son was born. Um, my son was put in the NICU and he wasn't there, you know, I uh, couldn't get a hold of him. And then finally, the day that we were going home from the NICU, um, the, the nurse was sitting there telling us, you know, how to take care of him because his oxygen, oxygen had been low and all that stuff. She was giving us all the discharge information. And I just remember being so upset because he was on his phone, like somebody kept calling him and he kept walking out to the hall. And I was just thinking like, this is not even going on right now. So, um, we went home uh, while I was in the hospital. Uh, we found a new house. Um, my husband had got you know the house ready. His family came and they got everything moved in and um, ready for us to move into. And so 
on our way home, uh, and this is really just like the beginning of just some really like messed up stuff. So um, I remember saying like, what were you doing on your phone? And he told me that one of my coworkers was messaging him. And I'm like, well, why is she messaging you? And he goes, oh, she's going to tell you some stuff if I don't do something that she wants or something like that. So I didn't say anything. We got to the house. And then I was like, well, does she have something to tell me? And he goes, yeah, I messed with her. You know, I, I had an affair or I, you know, cheated on you. It was just one time and all of this. And so at the time, we had been through so much in my pregnancy, you know, my my whole question was, okay, like, is that a thing of the past or can we move forward? Because we have this new house, we have this new baby, and I really just was not about the drama. And so, you know, he apologized and was like, I promise it'll never happen again. And then we moved on about our life. Well, unbeknownst to me, uh, you know, he was out there having a lot of affairs and doing different things. Um, I had neighbors next door who were uh, who he was involved with, and I didn't know, and I talked to these people every day, and they had a plan to jump me and everything because they didn't like that I was married to him, and I had no idea all this chaos was going on. Um, I found out, you know, he was telling people that um, I stayed with him because um, I didn't have a place to stay, I didn't have any money, I wasn't working, and the house was his, and everything was his, and not people not knowing you know, that I was the breadwinner and that I was the one that took care of all the responsibility. So as we walk through these things, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this history with you because it just slowly kind of built up, you know, all these little lies, all these little things that were going on. And in my mind, I kept thinking, okay, like, there's got to be like some type of resolution. Like there's got to be some type of, um, you know, point where we can come and just get back to, you know, being uh, in this healthy relationship because all this other stuff that's going on is just too much for me. And so um, at probably like two months after my son came home, um, he ended up moving out of the house because we got into a big argument and um, he took all of his stuff and he left. Well, in my mind, when he left, and it was after I found out about a couple other affairs and, and just different crazy stuff that was going on, in my mind, okay, well, we're not together anymore because, you know, you left, and I know that we're married, but you're out there having all these affairs, and so I just want to be, you know, free of this. And so, um, you know, I just didn't give him any attention, didn't pay him any mind, and that was really where the point of the abuse started. And so, you know, he would be gone for days at a time. He would come back and act like we were married, like there was nothing wrong, like nothing happened, like it was okay that he was gone for as long as he was. Um, he would come back and try to go through my phone. And now, you know, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of different people who I've worked with through school, through church, and all that stuff. And so he would make the littlest deal out of any text message, any conversation I had. You know, there were times where uh, my baby would be at the house, and he would want to call my mom and be like, you need to come get the baby, because he wanted to be arguing with me and causing issues with me. Um, I remember there was one time um, I had... He found a message between me, and it was a good friend of mine. I don't remember who it was, but it was a good friend of mine, and it was literally just a conversation about what was going on with the marriage and all of that stuff. And so he got so upset, so he pretended to be me. He messaged his friend and, you know, was telling him, you know, I'm married. You don't need to be talking to me, so you can stop contacting me and all of that. And then this was the first time that he put his hands on me when we were at the house, and... um 
we were in the kitchen. He took my phone. He broke so many of my phones. It's not even funny. And, um, and he choked me. He choked me to the point that I passed out. And whenever, um, whenever I passed out, he let me go. And then, um, you know, he told me, you know, you're mine and you're not going to talk to anybody else. And so I was just kind of like shocked because I never really thought that he would put his hands on me. And so, um, I didn't say anything. And then this just continued like a year of like torment and chaos and this like perpetual cycle, you know, um, there was one time I went to church, it was actually Easter Sunday, um, I went to a, a really big church here in Tulsa, and I locked my keys in the car, and nobody could help me, <laughs> because liability reasons, and so I called him, and it ha also happened to be on um, 420, so, you know, everybody was out partying, so I called him asking if he could come and help me, and he made such a huge deal out of it, so I ended up calling my brother, who was way, way, way across in another city, and so I was waiting on my brother to get there, and my husband pulls up with his cousin, and he is mad. I mean, he, and I'm sitting here, like, with a newborn baby, and, you know, three months old, it's hot outside, trying to get into my car, and he pulls up, and he is just running his mouth and cussing me out that I would even call him for this, and all of that, and so as we're doing that, I was like, you know what? I'm waiting on my brother. I don't need your help. Like, I don't need you to sit here and go off on me because I called you for help, and, um, you know, he took my phone. He threw it in the middle of the road. He broke my phone that time, and then he started chasing me and trying to punch me, like, over and over, and so I had to put my baby down next to his cousin, and we were literally running around this car, and it's Easter Sunday in the middle. They were having an Easter service in the middle of a big old church parking lot, and I just remember thinking, like, this is crazy. Like, what in the world am I doing? I was so frustrated, and at the time, I had just replaced my phone. I needed it for work, and he broke it, and so <laughs> I was just so upset, but this continued like a long pattern of abuse, you know. Um, in my mind, from the moment that he moved out, we weren't together. So there was a point where I was working and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, start making friends. I'm going to start talking to other people. I'm going to start dating other people. And um, I had a friend who I met through work. And, you know, at the time we were just friends. We weren't dating or anything like that. And um, I guess somebody happened to tell him that they seen me at my friend's house. And so, you know, he pulled up and um, when he pulled up, he came knocking on the door and we answered the door and he just caused a big old scene. Now he would not address the man. Like that man was very, my friend was very protective of me. Like, why are you at my door? You know, she's my guest. You have no reason here. And he would not try to fight him. He would not try to put his hands on him, anything like that. He just backed away to his car. Well, um, but he kept telling me, you know, you're my wife, you need to come with me. And so I ended up driving to Quick Trip. I left the house and I ended up driving to Quick Trip. And I just remember like, dang, what am I going to do? Because the level of like torment and chaos that this person brought to me was like so extreme. You know, it literally made me like, uh, like physically sick and I, I didn't know what to do. So instead of going to a private place, I went to Quick Trip. And um, I parked, it was right next to my mom's job. I was waiting for her to get off um, of work. And so he came up to the car. I wouldn't roll down the window and he acted like he was gonna break the window. So um, I finally opened the door and whenever I opened the door, he just started, I mean, beating me, like punching me over and over again. Um, 
And I used to always, the reason I used to not fight him back, this might sound silly because I am a fighter and I can fight, but I used to always think, you know, if I'm going to fight somebody, I don't want them to punch me in my face. So I used to not fight back. But in the middle of all this, the the weird things that we think during this time, I thought, girl, he's already punching you, (laughs) like fight him. So we got into a big old fight. So I just started punching him and swinging on him in the middle of the quick chip parking lot. And um, he left and uh, I ran into the quick chip bathroom. The police were called. Um, no joke. We were almost on PD live, <laughs> except that they couldn't, uh, there wasn't a police supervisor there Thank to, uh, <laughs> to, to be there while they were recording. So it was crazy. And this was such a continual thing. Now I'm going to tell you something, what I didn't realize while I was going through it, you know, because you don't realize when you're in a relationship and at the beginning it was good and at the beginning, you know, you you loved each other. My love for the man never went away, but, you know, I had to love myself more. And it was my community that helped me to realize that, that, listen, not only are you putting yourself in harm's way, you're also putting your children in harm's way. And not only that, like, this is not a life for you, you know? And um, there was even one point where we did our women's conference. You know, this is long after him and I have been separated, but because we're legally married, he still felt like he has these different claims to me. And um, I had given our drummer a ride back and forth because we needed a drummer for our worship set. And he's just a part of the church family. And literally right after me preaching my message and praying for somebody uh, on the altar, you know, all these women are outside, our pastor's outside, and he pulls up, he had my son, he pulls up and gives my son to somebody and just like comes straight for me, trying to attack me, mad because he thought I was messing with somebody. And so it, it was so crazy to me because now that I'm, um, you know, we're, we're really separated and, and, and we're going through this um, divorce process, looking back, you know, there were so many like mental like ties that this man had to me and I did not realize it because, um, you know, Looking back, okay, the whole time that all this stuff was going on, you know, of course, he had an affair with somebody else. He just had a baby with the girl, actually. And so there there was so much stuff that was going on, and I didn't even know it. And, you know, sometimes I would listen to what he would say, and I would believe it, and it would make me think that I was in the wrong for not trying to heal my marriage and not staying and not trying to, you know, make things better and not realizing like the whole time it was just like manipulation and, you know, trying to get everything that he could out of me, money and everything. And so looking back, um, I had no idea, like none of that was healthy, but in, in the middle of it, you know, I was just so busy trying to think one, how do I keep everybody out of this? Cause I don't want nobody bothering him or me. And so I was trying to keep it under wraps because I didn't want anyone involved in our business. And then also I was just trying to think, okay, well, how am I going to go back and, you know, create a life of peace because it's really chaotic. Um, There was one point where he had came to my mom's house and um, we were out front talking and he made me get in the car and we were talking and he was mad because of a conversation I had with the same guy who he saw me at his house. He was mad because he saw my phone and saw that the guy had called or something. So he made me get in the car to talk to him. And whenever I got in the car, he pulled off. 
And I literally jumped out of the car when it was moving. I just jumped out because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be in the, stuck in a car with you and have a conversation where you're going to terrorize me and force me to say stuff that I, not only half the time it's not true. I just say it because I know that's what you're waiting to hear. And not only that, like the, the level of like anxiety it caused me was so much. So I ended up going to the hospital. And when I went to the hospital, I told them I need help. Like I need to go stay somewhere because the fact that I would jump out of a moving car to be away from this man to avoid the like terror and the chaos it was it was beyond ridiculous and so um they got me some help I ended up going staying in a mental facility for a week and it was really one of the best things I could have ever did was ask for help for myself because I realized like clearly I had come to a point and I I could not have been in my right mental state because I was so manipulated and, you know, now that I'm out of it and I am a psychology student, I understand more about like trauma bonds and how you respond when you don't even want to respond that way, but you respond because it's how you were trained to respond. And um, when I went through the mental health facility, um, I was able to learn so much stuff and I never even knew like that these tools were out there. You know, one thing I realized is that one thing we don't operate on and one thing a lot of people don't talk about is coping skills. Mm, that's good. Like with life period. You know, learning how to calm down your anxiety, learning how to get your mind right, learning how to meditate. You know, and it was simple stuff. You know, like five, name five things you love about yourself. Name five things you're grateful for. You know, and, and really just working through some hard issues and learning how to cope with life instead of avoiding life, instead of avoiding circumstances, instead of avoiding whatever's going on. And so, um, anyway, so from that day to this day, you know, we've been separated. I had to end up, I moved out of town just so that way I could get that separation. You know, that was a big old deal too. And, um, he caused a lot of drama pulling up to my, everybody's house, <laughs> contacting my brother in California, all of that stuff. But, you know, where we are now, we are walking through a divorce process and we are co-parenting. And, you know, I leave his name out of this just because, you know, I still pray for the man. And I understand that at one point I did love him. At one point I did want to spend my life with him. But people change. And when people change and your well-being is in danger, you have no reason and no, you know, there's no obligation that you have to stay with somebody who is no longer looking after your interest whenever that was something that you agreed. So, yeah, but I just share some of that of what I went through because, you know, I heard, you know, during the pandemic that it was one of the highest rates of domestic violence that has been in the nation. And I can only imagine the helplessness that women are feeling. And for me, it was my community. It was my church. Yeah. It was you ladies. It was my family that helped to pull me out that helped me to get strength to live on my own, that helped to separate me from the situation. And when I was finally separated, I could see clearly. And I could yes. look back and realize that was a messed up situation. When I was going through it, I thought it was normal. I didn't know it was that bad yes. until after the fact. So Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, as a mom, that's, that's hard. That's, <laughs> that's my daughter and to have gone through that, all that. But I want to tell you all... Um, Everybody needs community. A community works together for the good. Yes. So everything works, and everything works proper. Yes. So everybody needs a villager community. So um, if we're your villager community, we would love to uh, help you through whatever you're going through. But um, I have a couple questions, mm -hmm. and uh, they may be a little hard 
That's for good. you, and it may be a little hard for me to hear, be in the <laughs> mall. Okay. But we're going we're gonna to do some hard work here. Let's do it. Okay, first of all, you said you wouldn't date someone in prison. What changed that? Um, well, looking back now, I realize, you know, he was really good at talking, really good at saying the right things, really good at continuing to kind of hammer on a subject until I would just give in, you know. And that's how it happened at the beginning. You know, the conversations were... Um, we're so good to me because, you know, I, I did grow up in the hood, but then I did, but I do love God and I have changed a lot. And, you know, our conversations were well balanced. He was able to have any conversation with me and understand what I was saying and give that back to me. And so for me, I realized, and, and in my mind, I thought, well, you know, I can't really judge him because this is what I grew up with. You know, it's nothing different than what I was surrounded right. by. So why wouldn't I give him a chance if he's really showing me that he's prepared and that he's ready to, you know, be in a relationship? Right. Okay. And why do you feel you couldn't share with your family? Because we didn't know for a long time. Mm-hmm. So... Well, one, I've always been a private person, so that's nothing new. But um, I never wanted my family to judge him. Or I always had this thought that, you know, if me and him go through something and we resolve it, well, then my family's going to have that undealt with anger and the undealt with resentment, and they don't get the same resolution that I do. And so in my mind, while I was still hopeful for my marriage, I didn't want to bring that type of judgment into what was going on because I am super close to my family, and I was super close to my husband, and I didn't want to bring more chaos into that, especially when you know, he at the time was not handling conflict well, and I didn't want it to uh, overlap and to bring like drama and chaos into my own family's mm-hmm. life, which it did anyway. But <laughs> it, it, it did. But as parents of uh, a daughter or, or even a son going through, uh, in our case, a daughter going through uh, domestic abuse, you want to protect them, you want the best for them. Sure. I mean, he even stood in the street. And attacked me and my husband. Yeah. You know, he stood on the porch and called the police on me because I wouldn't let him see his son. Yeah. So I stood in the house and called them back. Yeah. It's funny now, but it's really sad. Yeah. It, it I was called crazy them back the and said, I want this man off my porch. Yeah. You know, he's trespassing. Yeah. So um, we do what we have to do, but we mm. wanted to protect you. Oh, I understand. But she wasn't in a place to receive the protecting because. <laughs> Because of the chaos it would cause, I guess, mentally. Right. Anyway. But the- and it, it comes with that separation. If, if you're still emotionally entangled in that and you're still physically entangled in that, you know, you don't see things clearly mm-hmm. because it's still the relationship. You're still hoping for the love bubble. Yes. You're still hoping that something from, you know, the foundation of your relationship will come through. Yep. And, you know especially in in a domestic violence situation, the amount of, like, manipulation and stuff that goes on. um, I was not in my right mind frame to even think clearly enough to let anybody in or to even be honest with anybody because, well, one, it's embarrassing. Who wants to have a grown husband who's out here throwing temper tantrums? Or, you know, me, I don't consider myself not a strong person. And so to be the type of woman that I am and to go through something like that it was embarrassing because how could I let myself go through something like that? But at the same time, it can happen to anybody. It's not, there's no rule on who it can and can't happen to. You know, I remember I had a boss tell me one time, I told her what I had went through and she was like, 
yeah, well, I had a husband try to do that one time, but he knew better. And I was just like, I'm not even going to say nothing right now because, you know, I'm, I'm not a timid person and I'm not the type that's going to sit back and take stuff. But I, I had been through so much and a lot of the stuff I really, really, really in the moment was so confused in my mind about yes. what was happening. And one event after the other, I couldn't even heal from, restore from, because as soon as an event would happen and we would try to work on that, it was something else, something else. And then the conversations that him and I had in person were completely different than the life that he lived away from me. And right. so, you know, when we're in person, he's telling me what I want to hear and he's showing me what I want to see. But when he's apart from me, you know, I didn't realize this woman he had an affair with, he had around his family the whole time. And so when I went around his family and they hadn't seen me for a while, they were so shocked to see me. And I didn't know why, because I didn't know about this girl at the time. And they were just looking at me like, what are you doing here? You know, like they had no idea that the whole time he had been trying to maintain a relationship with me, right. that I talked to him every day, you know, that we still saw each other every day, that we were still, you know, supposed to be working on our marriage. And this whole time he was living with this other girl and had her around everybody. Right. And so the level of that mind manipulation is so strong in the, the bond that you you create that turns into trauma your responses are not logical yes. they are not rational yes. and they are in a whole different ball game than what you're used to if you're in a healthy relationship yeah. and know? all I would like to say about that is in in being fair because it's not all men but some men in prison and some men that aren't in prison have a lifestyle that sure. they have nothing but time to figure out how to play you what to say what the women like sure. And it's like a job to them. And that's what they do. Sure. And that's how these women get drawn in sure. from them. So my, my encouragement to you ladies is get to know who they are, not only why they're in prison or not only why they're going through what they're going through, but get to know the person. Find out about them. Yeah. What's their history? What's their background? What are they doing different? If they're not doing anything different, like I've been praying for this man. I've been praying and praying for him. And my, my beef... With, I tell Lucretia is that I would accept him. He's done nothing to change. Mm -hmm. He has done nothing to show I want different. I am different. Yeah, sure. He's been the same person all along. Mm -hmm. So all I can do is pray for him and keep boundaries that I've set. Right. And uh, that protects us and our grandkids. Right. So It's so good that you mentioned that too because uh, one of the things that I realize now is you know you can't just go off of love when you're in a relationship. Yes. Ooh, and you can't just go off of your feelings when you're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. You need to find out how do they handle conflict. Yes. Like, how do they address you when they're angry? Yes. Like, have those hard talks with them. Absolutely. Yes. You need to figure out, you know, no, what's their, what's the realness of them? Not the person that they're putting forward yes. at the beginning right. or whenever you're in a happy place. But no, what about when they're sad? What about when they're depressed? What does their conflict resolution look like? You know, because... If you really find that out about somebody, then you can get a lot more insight on whether or not you're going to work as a couple. Like, yes. are they willing to work on yes. themselves? Not just words, but actions. Yes. Can you prove that they're doing the work on themselves? Can you prove that they're actually sitting there helping themselves and not waiting for everybody else to do it for them? Do they want to move forward in their life? Are they trying to do better every day? Exactly. Yes. You know. yes. yes, that's important. And Lisa, I know you had a couple questions. Yes, uh, coming from a prison relationship as well. Sure. Uh, do you think whenever he did come home and everything like that, you let some boundaries go, that you let some things slip through the crack to let him start going out to more in the world instead of being a home foundation? Absolutely. I was like, 
I was really torn because, you know, we had the conversation when he was wanting us to get married when he first came home. And I'm like, you've been gone for a long time, so I don't want to be the one that's going to stop you from living your life or for doing what you got to do. You know, and he's very insistent. No, you know, he wants a family. And so when he came home, though, I was so afraid to make him feel like our house was a prison that I really didn't have any boundaries. Um, you know, if he would say something, you know, I'd be like, okay, whatever, you know, or, or uh, he was going somewhere, even if I didn't agree with it, you know, that's fine, you know. And, and I didn't really speak up much about it because my thought was, I mean, that man's been in prison a long time. Who am I to keep him here, you know, in a house? You know, I'm okay with the house life. I love my house. I pay my bills. I'm good here, you know, but but who am I to keep him here? And And not understanding that you know, when people go through things like that or people have spent their whole life in prison or who, who have struggled with that type of lifestyle, they don't understand healthy boundaries and they don't understand the difference. Like you can't go hang out with the same people because you're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Like you're going to get sucked right back into that circle. And, you know, he wasn't in any different environments. He wasn't around any different people. He went back to the exact same thing that he left when he went to prison and so uh looking back i absolutely wish i would have had some boundaries in place you know at least to protect me you know at least so i would know okay if he's not willing to follow these boundaries then okay then i know where we stand but i had no boundaries when he came home because i just thought well one because the first year he stayed with me he didn't go out he didn't do anything and then whenever he started going out that's what i told myself well he's been with me for a year you know so he he should be able to handle himself not knowing you know no, he's, it, it's just, he, it's so easy to fall back into that cycle, you yes. know, and that's exactly what happened. Do you feel that since you guys let him go out and do what he wanted to do, why didn't you guys go together? Sure. So there were, there were times that I would push going together and that was where like the manipulation and all that stuff came in, you know, um, there was one time I, I literally like ran to the Jeep and got in the car. I was like, I'm not finished with this conversation. So I'm going with you. And he threw a big old fit. It was a big old argument. I couldn't go with him and all that stuff. And so, and then he ended up not going. And so, you know, at that time I had already had like suspicions of different stuff he was doing. And so I'm like, look, if I can't go with you, you don't need to be going, you know? And, but I also wasn't like, I didn't like just enforce that, you know, I was just, making a point in that one conversation. But then, of course, you know, after we cooled down this up, and then, of course, he left, you know, and I didn't go with him, so. Yeah. But I want to say, my mother-in-law always told me, be ready, jump in the car with him at any time, and go. Yeah. You should be allowed to go. They should never say, yeah. what are you doing? You can't go with me, Yeah. even if they're going to work. They yeah. should never, that should never be a response. Absolutely. You should, because if it is, that should be an alert of something. For sure, absolutely. So. And And again, you know, I can't even explain, like, the, the type of mental. I really feel like I, just this mental fog, you know, during my pregnancy and afterwards, for, like, the year afterwards, before me and him and I truly, truly separated, um, I just feel like, really, I feel like it was one thing after other, and mentally I just could not keep up with what was going on. I mean, it was like whiplash, like, golly, like, here it goes, here it goes, here it goes, and one dramatic episode after the other, and... Um, and I think also, too, a lot of times I would do things to keep the peace because, gosh, who the heck has right. time for all that drama and right. chaos? And so I'd be like, I'm not even going to argue because it's going to lead to a big old scene, and I just don't want that, you know. Now that you guys are separated and working through your divorce and you do have to still face your abuser over and over and over again since you guys do have a ch child together, 
what are you going to do in place to help you keep those boundaries and healthy relationships with him since you guys do have to co-parent with each other? Sure. It's hard. Um, He still uses the marriage card on me. Um, You know, he still tries to, you know, talk about hopes of him coming back to the marriage. He still, you know, threatens me that if I date anybody, you know, that he's going to hurt them, all of this stuff, you know. Um, For me, it's a matter of staying separated from him and staying involved in my community because um, I don't trust myself when I am just with him because of the level of mental manipulation and all of that, you know. Um, there have been plenty of times, you know, where, like, I, I've dropped off my son or, or he's came to pick up my son, you know, and he's used that time to hash it out with me about who am I talking to, you know, who are you dating, who's at your house, and da-da-da, and that stuff is exhausting. And so um, a lot of times we, we, you know, we'll meet in public places. I don't go put private places with him. And uh, honestly, though, really, really it has come for me to learn to let my village in and to communicate with them when I'm meeting him, where I'm meeting him, how long I've been there, um, and, and really just not allowing myself to be in a position where I'm alone with him anymore because I do feel like, you know, if I was alone with him that I would probably, you know, just for the sake of peace or whatever, you know, okay, sure, whatever, you know, even in a conversation if he's talking about, um, getting back together and all that. Now, in my heart of hearts, I know I would never get back together with him because I couldn't put my kids through that. And and anytime I feel like, oh, I want my marriage to work or, oh, you know, we could have made this work, I think about my kids and I think about my oldest. And I'm like, no, because that's not a role model for him. That's nobody for him to be around. Right. So when I feel like I'm not strong enough or I don't have the willpower, or I don't have, like, the mental capacity to understand what I actually went through, I always think about my kids, and then I always involve my community. My community is everything. They're my accountability, and, you know, they're really what helps me to, you know, I deserve a better life. And, right. and again, like I said, it's not that my love for him ever stopped, but I had to choose to love me and my kids more. Like, you know, when you are steady trying to help somebody and they continue to try to break you, that's not love, and it's right. not a reason to stay in any way, shape, or form. Okay, can you name a couple of red flags for if there's people that are out there going through this and they think, well, I'm not sure. Um, I have my own opinions, but I have never been through domestic abuse personally. So if you would share some of the red flags. I mean, honestly, a big thing is to trust your gut. I mean, that thing comes through. That intuition ain't no joke. I'm telling you, and that's the other thing, you know, for real. Um, I, I always prayed, Lord, you know, let what's done in the dark come to the light. Yes. And it always it happened. Does. There was not a single thing that got by me that didn't come to the light. There was one time, so we were in our house that we moved into after I was pregnant, and it was dealing with the neighbors. Well, he got the neighbor's friend pregnant. I didn't know this. And uh, she pulled up to the house, and there he, she was running around his car trying to chase him and key the car because he, the night before, I guess, found somebody at her house and keyed her car. And, I mean, this stuff was at my doorstep. <laughs> like, what? And so uh, just, I mean, your intuition. I knew when I was in that house that other stuff was going on. And, um I just was like, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, but my intuition was everything. And then also, listen, if, if somebody can't be accountable for their actions, that's a, that's a red flag. Because if they can't be accountable, there's no resolution and there's no healing from right. that. 
Um, also, if you try to bring something up and they turn around and throw something back in your face that you did, okay, so now you're not trying to come to a resolution and you're not trying to hear me. You're just trying to, uh, you know, give that back to me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this falls big, big conversations now about, you know, gaslighting and all of that things where people will just turn things around on you, make you feel like you're the one to blame, all of that stuff. You know, that's all red flags. If you have somebody that cannot be accountable um, or that does not choose, you know, to engage in healthy conversations about how how can we fix this, you know, or if you're steady trying to blame the other person instead of actually have a conversation where you hear each other. Communication yes. is everything. And so if I'm yes. not hearing you and you're not hearing me, then there's really no need for us to continue. Yes. So through your walk, um, can you tell the ladies some resources between the domestic and the mental health yeah, absolutely. So listen, if you're struggling with depression, if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, if you're struggling with homicidal thoughts, any of those things, you can go to any local hospital to you and let them know that they will admit you and they will get you into a treatment program. And I'm telling you, I think it should be like a life class in high school, yes. how to have some coping skills. Yes. because. They don't teach us how to deal with life. You want to teach me stuff I ain't never going to use, but you don't teach me how to handle life. Right. And that is crazy to me. And when I went through that, it was just the most incredible thing. So also, um, you have the the suicide hotline. There's a suicide hotline. Okay, so the suicide hotline, you guys, is 800-273-8255. If you feel like you are hopeless, you are depressed, or you are having thoughts of, like, you want to escape, you know, this life, anything yes. like that, I mean, reach out. Go to your local church. Find somebody. Uh, you know, contact us. You know, uh, Ladies Talk Podcast 3 at gmail.com. Ladies Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Contact us, but reach out to somebody. Tell somebody. Right. It, the biggest thing you could do for yourself if you think, oh, man, I can't pull myself out of it, if you can just get the courage to ask for help, I promise you somebody's going to come through for you. Yes. Because if you can just get that courage to ask for help, that's all it takes to be able to help you to get out of that situation yes. for sure. Um, and also, you know, one of the things that, too, made me realize it, because I am a woman of God, and, and I did struggle with those thoughts during my marriage about making it work and, you know, love and all of that stuff, but, you know, uh, we talked about the scripture before, but Jeremiah 29, 11, when I think, okay, God says, you know, he has plans for me to give me a hope in a future yes. and not for like destruction and despair. Amen. And my life was full of destruction yes. and despair. And all I yes. could think was, these are not the plans that God has yes. for me. And I Amen. have, he has so much more for me yes. moving forward. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. Before we close out, we would like to hear from the scriptures that Lisa has for us today. Yes, that was a great and powerful story, Krisha. I thank yes, you for sharing with sure. us and all the viewers. She is a strong woman, and to see her go through all these struggles and everything like that and to see her overcome all these, it's just amazing what God can do for you. Yes. Now, a little bit of the scriptures that we have is, The Lord your, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt you over with loud singing. That's from Zephaniah 3.17. Yes, and I then I that. also have 1 Corinthians 14.33. For God is not a God of disorder, but peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. That's yes. Great. I love that. Those are great scriptures. So we are so glad you joined us today. We hope you got something out of it. And if there's anything that we can do for you, we will have a... 
what I need. We have tons of outlooks that you guys can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Ladies Talk, our email address, Lady Talk. Ladies Talk Podcast 3 at gmail.com for the email. Uh, and then our Instagram and Facebook social media. So we'd love for you guys to reach out to us. If you're a victim of domestic violence or if you're going through it right now, if you haven't escaped or you're trying to figure it out, I mean, just reach out to us. Our yes, main thing please. is that you're not alone. You are not alone. And people have been through this. And, you know, we just want to be there to encourage and support you and give you a voice for your story. For sure. So thank you all so much for listening and thank you for bearing with us um, today. And and just I hope that you're encouraged. Listen, there is nothing impossible for God. And and it is truly by his hand and by his grace that I was saved and pulled out of that situation. And so I encourage each of you guys to just lean on him, you know, and to call on his name the same way Lisa did when she was in, uh, you know, in addiction. And the same way I did when I was in my marriage and the same way my mom has, you know, you'll hear her story next week. Um, just continue to lean on God and, and just be encouraged that he has you. So we bless you guys. Remember, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Yes. Go ahead and uh, encourage some of those mental health workers around you. Thank or you. give some resources to those who are struggling with mental health this month. We love you guys, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.